Hello, and welcome back to the Previously On podcast. Today, we'll be wrapping up our second season of the podcast by concluding our in-depth look at Avatar The Last Airbender's second book, Earth. My name's Brandon Berger. I'm Evan Muse, And I'm Maxwell Anderson. And together, we're our own sort of team avatar. We're very excited to keep our conversation going as we finish navigating our way through the second book of this series. For our 20th episode of the podcast, we'll be taking a look at chapters 19 and 20 of Book 2. Previously on Avatar. Here's some more information about Book 2, Chapter 19, The Guru. It's the 19th episode of the second season and is the 39th official episode of the show. This episode was written by the series creators, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konitzko, and was directed by Giancarlo Volpe. The Guru originally aired back-to-back with The Crossroads of Destiny on December 1st, 2006. Here's a short synopsis of Chapter 19. Aang travels to the Eastern Air Temple to meet Guru Patik, who hopes to train Aang to master the Avatar state. Meanwhile, back in Ba Sing Se, Azula, Mei, and Tai Li organize a coup to take down the Earth Kingdom stronghold from the inside. Here's some more information about Book 2, Chapter 20, The Crossroads of Destiny. It's the 20th episode of the second season and is the 40th official episode of the show. This episode was written by Aaron Ehas and was directed by series creator Michael Dante DiMartino. The Crossroads of Destiny originally aired back-to-back with The Guru on December 1st, 2006. Here's a short synopsis of Chapter 20. After succeeding in their coup attempt, Azula and her team has a firm grip over Ba Sing Se and the Dai Li. Aang abandons his training with Guru Patik and rejoins the group back in Ba Sing Se as they attempt to take on Azula and save the city. Zuko abandons Iroh in the battle and sides with Azula, who after landing an incredible lightning strike on Aang, solidifies her control over the once inconquerable city. <laughs> oh yeah. Nice. It's, it's mostly your reaction that I'm laughing Nailed at. it. <laughs> you don't understand the sense of dread I get reading out loud. Oh, oh, believe me. I do. I it's understand. Like straight to elementary school. Like, oh, man. Honestly, every time I reread the ending, I'm like... We're now live on Facebook and Twitter. I'm like, no, 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 we're not. (laughs) (laughs) So, what were your thoughts on these two episodes? I don't know about you guys. Zuko's cheeriness kind of unsettles me to start. It's so... I feel so bad because it's amazing and it's so sweet, but it almost feels like he's just so not used to it. It comes across as very weird to me. That's I fair. like it. I think it's a cool choice, but it it feels like his body doesn't know how to be happy. Yes, I even even Iroh kind of like side eyes him as like, okay, man, you're acting a little weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and that and that whole part again, the cynic in me also wasn't buying it, Evan. So I don't think mm-hmm. that's you know I don't think you're the only one who feels that way. Just because we've known Zuko this entire time as kind of this emo-y, angsty teen. And for him to do a complete 180 in essentially what is like half of an episode, right? 
It is it is very, very bizarre. Mm-hmm. I feel like we all do it. We go through a, a dark time and then we're like, all right, today I'm being happy. And we're like looking at everybody <laughs> we're like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, you were like crying in bed yesterday. What's good? Are you, Are you I'm okay? more worried now. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually. No. <laughs> I'm more worried about you now because you're not crying anymore and you're <laughs> acting like you weren't crying before. Yeah. But you still want to be crying? Question <laughs> mark? And I feel the same way about Sokka's opening as well, right? Mm-hmm. I I think both of these are just almost too optimistic and positive in nature for where we're at in the show, especially given the cliffhanger um, that we kind of end episode 18 on when the Kyoshi Warriors, i.e. Ozai's angels in Kyoshi Warrior disguise, are about ready to infiltrate you know, this political system that has mm-hmm. been so corrupt from the get-go. I think we as the viewer know that it's about to go down and our gang and our team doesn't know that yet. So it's a little naive, all of it. Definitely. I think that's one of my favorite storytelling devices is when you finally give your characters something happy and good and they deserve it, but your audience knows that it can't last. It's Correct. just devastating. That's your favorite <laughs> I mean, yeah, but <laughs> what does that tell you about us? What does that tell you about us? I'm taking notes. I'm taking I need notes. you to do a deep dive on on mine and Evan's psyche here. Yeah, what's your not favorite? Buying the cynicism. Oh, and here I'm like, oh, thank gosh, this poor boy's been through so much. I, I'm so glad he has a moment of happiness. I'm like, it uh, will end soon as it does for us all. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. But I think no. that's it, right? Like, whether or not it's true, we all have those moments where, like, I'm feeling good, but I'm worried about it. I don't know how much longer I'm going to keep yeah. it. And I think it, it feels validating in a sense to be like, good things don't don't always stick around. I think it makes me feel better about it in a sense. Well, and again, we talk about these moments that make this show relatable. And when they, when the creators and the, and the writing team are able to insert these very real emotions and these very real feelings that lots of people experience into these characters that we've, you know, come to know and love over what is now the conclusion of two seasons. Yeah. It's just, it's great. It's great storytelling. It's great character building. It's great. It's great. Everything. How are we going to talk about these two episodes? Do we want to smash them sort of together or are we going to pick apart each little piece? I I mean, it's just, it flows so, you were just talking about how narrative it is and it flows so well together as just one finale. Mm -hmm. But there's very, there's a very distinctive feeling between, you know, the first episode and the second episode. Yeah, I think it's, it's almost important to highlight them for their differences and their individuality, but also acknowledge, right, The second episode is titled The Crossroads of Destiny, right? Everybody, we've been talking about this a lot. Everybody's storyline and plot points are finally converging now on Mm -hmm. Bossing Say. So it's it as much as easy as it is to talk about these two episodes individually, right? With the whole chakra development, Toph developing metal bending, like some really cool moments. The return of Hakoda of the Water Tribe in episode 19, right? Just these pivotal, pivotal moments in the story. I think you know, as as things weave themselves together, I think it's going to be really hard to to separate them because they are such a connected pair. Yeah, it's like a magic trick. You've got the setup and the prestige. 
Yes. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I see you. I see you. I've seen the Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> you could say I do magic. I love it. I love it. Okay, then let's dive into the first one's individual pieces. I mean, you just summarized it, but I would love to do some in-depth look at the chakras. Because we kind of mentioned that earlier in the podcast. We kind of were like, okay, let's talk about uh, the different chakras, but we haven't really gotten into it until now. Yeah. So they did a kind of weird thing where they walked through. I mean, we get sort of a educational episode where it walks <laughs> yeah. through chakra by chakra. And it's a good narrative device, but it's basically like, let's show Aang's character development right in an yeah. episode. Mm hmm. Right, and and I I almost take issue with that because you'd think of something like opening all of the chakras, right? Guru Patik talks about, and I think the imagery is great. Max, like you had said, you know, talking about the pools of energy in the body being uh, a parallel of the pools of of water swirling around in this abandoned creek area that they find at the earth or uh, at the yeah at the I air always temple, think that's right? so satisfying watching the water. <laughs> it is it is so good, so cool, like such a great moment. But the thing that uh, that lost me here a little bit on this on this uh, rewatch was when Aang initially drops Sokka off at the beginning, he says something like, I'll see you in a week, like he's going to go and master the Avatar <laughs> state and learn all this chakra stuff, which he has no idea about yeah. in a week's you know time. You're right. And yeah. And again, this this goes back to something that I've. I feel like I've had some consistent beef with this show about, and it's the timing mm -hmm. and kind of that sense of time where you could easily spend probably a year or more of your avatar development and your avatar training working on something like chakras and your own like spirituality and your spiritual energy. But Aang is expecting to do it in like probably three days so that he can, you know, make the return journey <laughs> to Bossing say and not have things all, you know, go to go to Momo but I, so I didn't mean to cut you off there Max but it is it is a little outlandish that the expectation is that he's going to learn all these chakra things in a week you're right I mean I never really pieced that together because watching it through and knowing what happens it happens really quickly anyway so it's like well what they don't mm -hmm. even need a week right they do it in like an afternoon basically but yeah the the kind of naivety or naivete that uh they must <laughs> well, like whole. nice Aang's nice. uh, optimism i guess you could you could say uh to be like oh yeah this will be quick work i'm already yeah. a monk i can probably do this pretty easily and then he gets there and he's like sure. i don't know what a chakra is yeah he's literally starting from zero <laughs> yeah and and even some of the moments where they're talking about what each chakra means and kind of the elements that block the chakras, all super cool narrative devices and great. I mean, Max, like you said, it is a very educational episode. And I, like Aang, don't know much about chakras aside of uh, of the one detour we took on an earlier podcast episode. So I don't really know much about any of it. But even when they're talking about such heavy, heavy topics like fear, guilt, shame, grief, all of these things that block these chakras, Guru Patik is just like, just let these things go. And Aang just like lets them go? Yeah. What? Are you kidding me? And he's like a 12-year-old kid. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it feels too fast. I think the only I'll play devil's advocate and try to justify it a little bit, even though I do agree with you that it is insane that this kid does it this quickly. I think 
everything except Katara, he's had some earlier plot points of already learning to deal with and let go a little bit. Sure. Um, but I don't know. The entire genocide of your people just gone in an afternoon. That's kind of a tough one. Well, and that and that gets into, you know, I know we're jumping way ahead. And Max, I know you you took some copious notes about all of the different chakras, and I want to make sure we go back and talk about each of them if if we decide to do that. But I want to talk about that last one like right now. A, is this the first time Aang confesses that he's in love with Katara when Guru Patik is like, you need to let her go right now? And he's like, no, I love her. Is this the first time that we hear him say it? I think so, I think, yeah. yeah. Okay, huge point there, <laughs> right? And I take issue with the the word choice of, of Guru Patik here where he says you need to forget her, right? It's not like, <clears throat> the way that I interpret it is it's not like Aang is forgetting Katara and then she will no longer exist in his psyche, in his brain space, in any element of his life. Guru Patik says you need to learn to let go. Now, whether or not you choose to do so is your choice, but you need to learn how to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Because as, as you know, as a married person with a, a soon-to-be growing family, mm-hmm. right? Soon to have a child at the time of recording, still don't have child, <laughs> but it's on the way. Potentially by the time Amazon, of release. <laughs> I, Amazon sent the the shipping notification. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, I think there is such a disconnect there between forget and learning to let go while still also allowing access. Like, I, there's just that weird moment where I think Guru Patik doesn't speak so eloquently, and had he spoken a little bit better and chosen his words more carefully with Ang, I think that training session specifically could have been a little bit more acceptable for Aang and it wouldn't have caused him to just abandon the training. Definitely. I will take you one further and argue that M. Night Shyamalan would not have made as terrible of a movie if he had understood the whole like you can get married versus letting someone go thing. Wait, what? (laughs) That's the whole that's the whole reason Aang Lee Ong, sorry, leaves in the movie. Ong is the avatar. They told me I couldn't have a family. Oh my gosh! Uh, repression, repression, repression. I totally <laughs> forgot that yeah. that was the line. Oh my gosh! Th- thanks for making us relive this horrible, horrible <laughs> moment again, yet again. Do you need a visit to Lake Cloud Guy. Yeah, seriously. There's no movie Please. in Bossing Say. <laughs> yeah, I I also had some kind of questions and issues with it because there's also this finality to what he's saying. He's like, if you go now, you'll never be able to get into it again, or you'll never be able to access this, and that's just it. Ends up just not being true, like throughout right. the rest of the series, throughout the rest of the show, and so there's some. The weird choices that they make with the guru to to raise the stakes, I think, but then they don't really follow through on it. Um, Aang's able to eventually learn how to do both, like love Katara and still go into the Avatar state. So I, I don't right. really know exact. I, I think it was good and dramatic, and it added sort of a Luke Skywalker-esque Yoda training mm-hmm. scene where it's like, if you leave now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it ends up not really panning out because he Aang doesn't have to make that sacrifice in the end right i mean he tries really? i i feel like he does like in that moment in the at the very end he's like katara needs my help but i'm gonna sit here and meditate because that's like the stronger choice to make i think he is letting go finally yes okay so fair in that moment but in the grander avatars like universe mm-hmm. like eventually yeah He's able to be a fully fledged avatar. Yeah. And I think to me, 
a moment like this almost mirrors, I guess, I, mirrors is the wrong word. It almost parallels like the right way and the wrong way to kind of take some of these divine airbender teachings. When you look at a Guru Patik, who's a little bit removed from the, the air nomad culture, you know, even though he says he's personal, was a personal friend of Monkey Atso. And then you jump ahead to like a Zahir in the legend of mm. Korra, who has one, one earthly tether. Mm. And when he loses that earthly tether in book three of Korra, we see what happens there. I think, again, just a really kind of sloppy way to do it with Guru Patik. And a freaking bad way to do it was to hear. I don't want to spoiler that, right? I don't want to reveal what happens there. But I don't know. It's it's. I'm glad that they kind of got it right later. But in such a high stakes moment like this, to kind of have this, this huge character development moment be a little shaky and a little wavering. It's just kind of frustrating, especially when the whole when the whole book has been so strong, like everything in the second season has been so good. And I know we're critiquing this, but I also love this this montage. Like, I, oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I love the visual. I, I love the lessons. Like, I think that a lot of people could probably take away stuff from this. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, just in-depth look into your psyche, basically. Um, mm -hmm. I know it happens quickly, but and then the cosmic energy uh like giant ang i mean it's it's some of the coolest visuals in the show uh i For get sure. more goosebumps during this whole sequence than i think i mean i get goosebumps in a lot of places but this is <laughs> one of the big ones Ma max would you say that it's the best episode oh, it's the best <laughs> until the next one <laughs> until until the second episode of the third season i believe max is that what it is <laughs> Is it the third? And then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> I think the headband is the second one. I can't wait. I can't wait. But yeah, no, I, I really like this. So I think it does. There are some weird kind of pieces that we get to look at being in a critical podcast. But at the same time, I have to take a step back and be like, it's amazing. I still mm -hmm. love it. For sure. For sure. And, and you know, you're exactly right. One of one of my favorite moments of the chakra sequence, and I think, Max, you also wrote about this in your notes, is when... Um, uh, they kind of weave in Toph's yes. little side plots oh, so into it where, you know, Guru Patik is kind of doing this lecture on we live as, as four nations divided, but really we're one people and all of the elements are connected and all of this like really, really, really great exposition, narrative content. And then it goes back and forth between what Guru Patik is saying and what Toph is experiencing having been captured by uh, Earth Rumble 6 guy and the the Earth-bending teacher guy from her village. And then she just, you know, casually invents one of the most powerful forms of bending in the universe, right? Metal bending. How insane is that? Ugh. Like, how cool. That's so good. That's not hyperbole. That is one of the best scenes in the show. Absolutely. 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 And I think one of the things that makes it so good is that we don't expect it. Again, we've seen we've seen the show a couple of times and we know that it's going to happen. But in the context of the show, like there's nothing else really that's seeded prior to this moment that tells us that a new form of bending is going to be unveiled to us at the end of the second season, right? You'd think that this would be prime material for series finale to keep us hooked for maybe what comes next. But I don't know, it's just it's just such a cool thing. 
but it doesn't feel unearned either, right? It yeah, does, right, totally. Right. And I think part of that is is because of Toph, right? Because of who we know Toph to be. We already know Toph as this, honestly, one of the best earthbenders that we've ever seen up to this point, with the exception maybe being King Boomy as far as like raw power. But even then, Boomy, there's something kind of, you know, expected about Boomy's ability because he's been through this so long. The fact that Toph is so young and, and is self-taught for the most part um, and is also blind and has a disability, like the fact that she is able to basically shatter every every expectation or bar that is set for her is really, really cool. And the fact that it is her character and, and it pays off so well for her in this episode is very, very satisfying. I like how we seamlessly transitioned into those two different scenes just like they did <laughs> very nice <laughs> one of the funniest bits in these last two episodes is when those two guys get closed in there and the teacher is like i have to go to the bathroom <laughs> oh my gosh i almost liked head. more i almost liked more the earth rumble six guy going i'm gonna be stuck in here forever <laughs> with you aren't i <laughs> like because they're both like well sh- we can't meddle, right. then. <laughs> no one knows Clearly where we are. She can. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 kind of screwed right now. Yeah, even if someone comes by, what are they gonna do? Yeah, how do they open it? Jeez, fire bend them out like do the jaws of life, <laughs> but with with a fire yeah. bending thing, which would also which would also burn them oh, alive for sure. Like, <laughs> they are. It's this is a very jet level ambiguous death, but I would venture that both of these people. We die. don't see them again, do we? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that kind of leaves us with Hakoda of the Water Tribe. Unless there's more to discuss with Toph and her. But she's just, I mean, what's to talk about? She's just the best. Like, it's she's crazy. Just cool. Yeah. That whole sequence. But her little escape rolling feet thing uh, is so awesome, good. too. Just yeah. everything she does is dope. It's like she's cross, it's like she's cross country skiing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's bending the earth to like propel her forward. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Awesome. And, and, and the fact that Aang, in the final battle, also kind of calls to that, mm-hmm. where he does the similar kind of earth mound movement thing, clearly shows us that, like, she's developed this technique or, you know, is teaching Aang a similar technique. So it's just cool. It's cool that those things have their their moments for both characters. Mm. Gosh, and we haven't even talked about, like, Zuko and Iroh in this plot. Oh, my or, gosh. We, I mean, we, we really didn't. We really haven't talked, Max, like you alluded to, Hakoda. We haven't really talked about Sokka's interaction with his dad in this first yeah. episode because he finally he finally gets reunited with his dad after so much time. Uh, how cool beautiful. is this? I love how much he's like his dad. Mm-hmm. The, the inventor, awful sense of humor. Oh. <laughs> or really yes, great sense of humor. I'm sorry, you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it, it reminded me of a moment. Um, I think it was from uh, uh, the North... The Northern Air Temple episode, the one where they're with, um, um, oh, I forget, I forget his name, the inventor guy. Yep. Do you remember his name? Um, I, I don't off the top of my head, but they're talking about the different bombs that they have to throw at the Fire Nation, mm-hmm. right? And they're talking about stink bombs, and they're like, never underestimate the power of stink. <laughs> and the name of the bombs that stink. Sokka's dad. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're called the Stink and Sink, right? So good. So it just made me think: never underestimate the power of stink. Ugh. And then the tragedy of it too—he's barely been there before he gets ripped away. Like he's gotten to be 
part of the culture and like the grown man in the tribe like fighting again and then nope that dream that you've had for so long that you've been trying to achieve and live up to at home just gonna pluck that away it almost shows though his own character development right he has risen past that to his own destiny he's not just a warrior in the water tribe he is like part of the avatar's crew for sure part of, part of team yeah. avatar yep so speaking of Sokka's responsibility i always sort of felt weird about this whole notion that all of these water tribe men left the village and then they say like Sokka, i've always believed in you as a warrior why do you think i left you with the tribe to protect them and it's like <laughs> what you left us like a, a 10 year old to protect yeah. everybody like it doesn't track yeah Sokka, the reason we left you was because you were too little but instead of coming and fighting this war you should protect everybody in the village <laughs> it just seems so irresponsible yeah uh, i don't know i mean even if they thought the Fire Nation wouldn't bother them because they're no longer a threat, they are out there making themselves a threat. So what's the Fire Nation, like what's stopping the Fire Nation from being like, okay, you're out here terrorizing us. Let's just go to yeah. the tribe and wipe you out, like wipe out your wives yeah, and your kids. For sure, especially while they're defenseless, mm -hmm. right? There's nobody there to stop them, you know? And and we see, I mean, we see that a little bit in one of the first couple episodes when Zuko's ship just gets Plows there, right? Them. They easily... Easily, but yeah, plow through the essentially the entirety of the village. So, yeah, Max, I agree with you. That, that was a little, that was a little uh, short-sighted <laughs> and irresponsible, I would say. But I'm glad Sokka took it well. <laughs> yeah, he took it as a compliment. That's good. <laughs> and that was the that was the greatest lie ever told to Sokka. <laughs> also, Aang gets there and is like, "Katara's in trouble," and Hakoda's like, "Okay, yeah, cool. I I won't come with you or anything. That's my daughter." But yeah. <laughs> a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to do your thing it's like gotta protect the stream oh. yeah there's a there's well, a fire i don't want any firebenders to get into bossing say gotta protect the stream <laughs> and now, and, they're there and now, and the, you know it's really funny because like later in season three we see some of katara's harbored <laughs> yeah resentment um, and anger yeah. towards yeah, yeah. Totally justified <laughs> and yeah well in the i forgot i forget about this moment right and later, it's like, Katara, why are you so mad at your dad? He's like, you know, just going to fight the war. He's like kind of kind of a boss man. But, but when it came down to it and he knew of your impending doom, he was just pretty chill about it. Like, he, All the kids got it. Really care. The kids are <laughs> great. The kids can handle it. Uh, <laughs> but out of the Avatar dads, he is a wonderful dad. Out of the out of the dads yeah. in the Avatar universe, <laughs> he's a solid dad. Because because we know the bar is so high <laughs> over Avatar dads, right? Hey, speaking of dads, or at least dad figures, how about Iroh getting his uh, his tea shop? How cool! Mm. Again, oh, we, just you talk about kind of the and I will just call it a, like a yin and a yang. The balance of the first and the second episodes here in this in this set. The fact that so much good happens for Iroh and Zuko, really. Because Zuko is is in this positive mindset the entirety of this first episode. And it isn't until the second episode where things kind of start to flip back and he starts to have this regression. But this is a really good episode for Iroh as far as positive outcomes and good things. Like just good things happening mm -hmm. to him. I, dis <laughs> I disagree. You disagree? Yeah, because 
you're right. It's probably the highest high that he's ever had. And sure. then it is ripped away. Oh, totally. In episode <laughs> two, for sure. I'm I'm only for focusing episode on episode one. one. Okay. Okay. I'm only focusing on the guru episode, not not episode two. I'm I'm like I'm trying to segment those so that <sighs> we can focus on the good I for can't. Iroh before we talk about how everything I becomes can't separate right. it. I can't separate the I can't even imagine like thinking you're invited to serve for the the highest honor, right? Serve the Earth King. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for it to be a, a trap. Like Azula is such yeah. a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Dude. Oh my god, yeah. And that his beloved nephew is there with him and seems healthier and happier than he ever has. I feel like that Iroh probably all, cares about that a lot more than the tea shop. Absolutely. Yeah. And it just crumbles before his eyes. Oh. Yeah. I will say, you know, you want to talk about like devious plans and and things being plotted so perfectly. Like I took the note, at least during the second episode, where I was like, hmm, Azula's plan goes absolutely perfectly. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> because she's that brutal and relentless, right? She's so calculated and just so manipulative that of course everything that she's kind of scheming and planning for is gonna is gonna happen in this way and it's gonna all be perfectly timed and everything. And I get that again, that's a narrative device, right? The enemy wins. The enemy wins round two of the seasons, mm-hmm. right? Season one, good guy wins. Aang has a good victory. Team Avatar has a good victory at the North Pole. Round two, no, bad. Our our team is in complete disarray. The Earth Kingdom has fallen, and we are struggling mightily. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> it is a. Uh, it's crazy how low they wanted to go with this finale. Because I can't even imagine, I don't even, I, I'm trying to think if I w- would have watched this as it came out, maybe, for this second season. I don't know, but like having to wait, I definitely did, because having to wait between the second season and the third season was brutal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a season chock full of yeah. them, where every episode gets you so either excited or anxious for that next episode, that next progression in our team's journey at the very end to have Aang killed because Aang Aang gets killed by Azula and then at the last possible second revived. And then as they're flying away on Appa, the Earth King just straight up, the Earth Kingdom has fallen. God, so good. What I love about that moment too is we have, again, they, they always give the audience this little extra knowledge that makes it more brutal. Like, Katara almost used up that water. Like that is a that makes it even more amazing and important than it already is that <clears throat> that one way to save Aang was almost gone. So let's talk about that. Yeah, Evan, Evan, are you are you directly referencing the very real possibility that Zutara almost happened in the crystal catacombs below <laughs> the palace? You know what, Brandon, I am. I have to say Thank you. As much as I am not a Zutara person, if there's a moment for it, it's right there. Yeah. They're having Max, Max, you can't deny yeah. the tension. You cannot yeah. deny but it's, the tension. It's... Especially when she when she Caresses. like touches the scar yeah. on his face and he's like Oh, you see my you see my face as the evil. And Katara's like, Oh no, I didn't mean that, Prince Zuko. Let me let me fix your okay, scar. Okay, enough. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> I hey, I could go I can go all day. Please baby, don't on Zutara. Come on now. I okay. What would have happened if she healed him? 
I think potentially you have some interesting things happen because Zuko is almost definitely on their side at that point. I think so. Totally. I think that's that's the fundamental change that happens. I don't think Zuko flips after that mm -hmm. moment. That's You that's, lose the Avatar permanently, which sucks. <laughs> well, potentially not because that battle would have been over yeah. way quicker. Like she would have... Yeah. Exactly. True. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't think the battle is nearly as close because I don't think, not necessarily that Zuko did a ton outside of just being a distraction. Because Zuko and Aang, as they fight, Aang clearly starts to overpower Zuko, right? And it's really only when Zuko and Azula kind of team up or one of them gets exhausted. And by one of them, I mean Aang or Katara gets exhausted. And then they start to gain the upper hand. But I think if Zuko never flips and it then becomes in that first moment, Zuko, Katara, Aang against Azula, it's over. Mm -hmm. it's over. Because it's only a matter of time then before uh, before Toph gets there and before Iroh gets there. And then you're talking about some, yeah, it's, it's I don't, I mean, even though the Dai Li do eventually come, um, I don't think it's, it's going to be close. They're going to have knocked out Azula well before the Dai Li get there and probably could have even escaped before the Dai Li get mm -hmm. there. I agree. But how about that fight scene, though? Yeah, oh, the so ending fight good. scene. Honestly, I just wrote down like a couple of my favorite bending moments, and I want you two to to throw in in yours as well. But the fact that again, all of our bending, like all of our team, both good and bad, are so formidable mm -hmm. right now, right? I think of uh, Katara trapping Azula with her water limbs right before Zuko kind of chops her free. That could have been a moment, yeah. right? Where. Katara had an arm and a leg, so Azula's completely off balance, right? I think Zuko's firebending has gotten so much better. Oh the fact that he's able to, to blast these giant fireballs, the water whips and the fire yeah. whips, where it's where it's uh, Katara and Zuko there. I think one, uh, this is probably this one's probably my favorite, where Aang does the airbender silhouette thing yeah. against Zuko. It's so weird. It's because, awesome. Such a creative because idea. Because I totally. I, I totally think about it like when when in Pokemon, <laughs> when they do the fire blast yeah. or whatever it is. I think the, the fire blast yeah. move takes the same mm -hmm. form. It's that silhouette. I also think there's a really cool moment where um, Azula and Aang are are pitting off against each other. Typically, we would see Aang, air nomad, kind of passive personality type, try to deflect and dodge. But he takes an opposite stance here. He hardens himself and puts physical crystals, rock crystals around his body and charges at Azula after she's already basically become a rocket launcher it's and so like cool. propels herself right at him. Just uh, some of my favorite combat moments of the series, the entirety of the series, with the exception being Sozin's Comet at the end, because I, I still think that that's the pinnacle. But they happen here. They happen in the Crossroads of Destiny. Were there any other moments that I maybe missed that the two of you thought were pretty pretty awesome? I think just to connect to what you said with Zuko's fire whips, and there's the point where he is first trying to escape Azula. He pulls fire up from the ground and pushes at them like a wave. Like He is totally waterbending inspired at this point, mm. which Iroh taught him, which is super cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, because you see Katara and him completely mirror each other with the whips, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I really, really enjoyed this fight. I I have some issues with Aang's bending throughout it because he is, like, bending as if he's fighting giant monsters. Like, his <laughs> his they're not precise except for the silhouette, which is a cool one, and I think also speaks to maybe that you can see the air because Zuko flinches before the air hits him. Oh, interesting. 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but he's like doing these massive things that he's harming himself. Basically, it's like okay, yeah, that works if you're fighting a sea serpent. But these are like, these are this is like a one-on-one -on -one battle, like duel, and he's doing these massive moves, like jumping from the ceiling, shooting himself across the 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 sky. Right. Like, it's it's very risky, and the others are doing really precise, like just chess moves. And and I think he's not really had that one-on-one -on -one combat experience yet. Like the only battles he's really fought are these large scale mm -hmm. battles exactly. for the most exactly. part where he doesn't necessarily know any different. Right. And, and you know, like, I, like I referenced earlier when, when, when Azula and Zuko get the upper hand against Aang, it's because he's physically exhausted or he's harmed himself with some of his bending, right? Mm -hmm. right? I think there's a moment after he jumps from the ceiling and and creates something like an earthquake and like a, a big kind of wave of rocks that mm -hmm. happens where he gets up and his robes are all tattered and he's even like got the dirt and, and discoloration from that, from the rubble on his robes. Max, you're exactly right. He's putting himself in these compromising positions where he's not able to be as precise as he needs to be. But I'm convinced it's because he doesn't know any better at this but, point. And but it's so contrary to his bending style, which is evade, avoid, defend. Is he, totally. Exactly. Right. So yeah. I don't think that, one, I don't think that choice really exists for him right now True. in a cave where they're going to have to capture Azula. And I also think it's no accident that he's just been told he can't go into the Avatar state. I wonder if he's kind of compensating a bit. Like, Ooh, I I can still sure. unleash like my full force. I can do Avatar mm -hmm. state scale, mm -hmm. trying to prove something. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost wonder if Azula picks up on that because then she completely baits him with this rocket launcher duel mm -hmm. sort of thing, where she she Charlie Browns him right at the last <laughs> yeah. second. She she like blasts him. Yeah, it's super interesting how they're picking up on it. Or I don't know, potentially, but uh yeah, he I can see that. That that's a good point. Oh, and then his look of devastation when he realizes he can't fight them all off. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was him thinking like there's too many of them until this watch through because it's always I don't think that camera angle is focused on him or focused on his mouth. Um it's kind of panning around, but on the subtitles it's him it's Aang thinking there's too many of them, mm. which I think. What part is this again? When all the Dai Li agents come and Katara is surrounded. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right right before he goes into his rock yeah. kind of cocoon. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I actually think I think he does audibly say there's too many of them. Yeah. I I mean, I thought so too. And, and the only reason I think otherwise is the subtitles say Aang thinking there's too many of them. Oh, you were talking about his mouth maybe not moving. Is that right? Because I remember hearing the voice, yes. like in the in the playback. The the voice is there. Yeah, the voice is definitely there. Whether it's a thought or yeah. it's him physically saying it, which I don't think. I think it's probably the only time we get a character if it's not him talking. It's the only time we get a character's inner monologue. I think. Yeah. Seriously. Sure. Interesting. Oh, and you think about that as just a cool narrative device. That man, I wish they would use more. Right. Yeah. Just thinking. Okay, I gotta kind of go, and I gotta jump, and I gotta do my glider thing and fly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like just to be a, a fly on the inside of of Ang's head or or any of the characters' heads would be. Gosh, I I did not even think that they don't really do that. Nope. That'd be fun to do like a scrub style Avatar episode. Where... <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> sometimes it gets struck by lightning. <laughs> 
I can't do this all. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, okay, the only other thing I wanted to talk about with this fight is that Katara is completely in her element. She is probably the powerhouse of this fight. She overpowers Azula, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, she holds her own against Zuko throughout it. And it's only until the very end when she's outnumbered. And even then, she's ready to fight. Like, yeah, she's going to take them on. Yeah. yeah. Aang is very little help. She, yeah, she carries this fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is just such a good, like, this is such a good episode. We didn't even talk about the setting of the fight. Old Bossing Say, or the, the catacombs of Old Bossing Say. How cool is that? So good. They have it all. And I think it's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great space that, makes us feel disconnected from the world that we've come to know and come to to like identify and be a part of it's just enough of a separation that it feels like again the stakes are are continually elevated we know we're underground right so there's not necessarily an easy escape so it kind of puts our team in a box Mm -hmm. where if they mess up they could be in some serious trouble Mm -hmm. right now yeah there's no oppa to fly in and carry them out no Absolutely not. I I want to like explore if they if they explore old bossing say as one of their spinoffs and like show when it was used, why it was used. Um, that'd be sweet, like a prehistoric a- like avatar. I oh don't my know. god, that'd be yeah. so cool. Well, there are there are other kind of ancient civilization landscapes that are also present in Avatar: The Last Airbender that they could definitely take a trip to in Avatar Studios. Especially if they end up doing like a Kyoshi spinoff or a Kyoshi, Avatar Kyoshi, mm-hmm. I mean, um, like miniseries. You think of like the Sun Warrior civilization. Yeah. You think of old bossing say. You think of, yeah, there's lots of things that they could do. Lots of things at play. The the air temples with actual like airbenders. Yes. Not just Aang, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's I think, plenty of cool things that are going to come out of Avatar Studios. And if, if they're hiring, <laughs> there are three. Oh three my gosh, that'd be here. the dream. Or if they just want to like give us the content early, we can talk about yeah, it. I don't we'll care. review it. Yeah. If you want us to be an official licensed podcast and just say only positive things, I I will change my cynic mood and I will love everything you put out. Just give us the stuff early. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> and if that they would hired... include sponsorship, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that and Flamio Instant Noodles. I feel like those are the two sponsors that we need: Avatar Studios and Flamio Instant Noodles. That's all we need. I feel like both of you are pretty marketable to the to the studios. I'm not quite sure what I'd bring to the table. What? You can, I don't know what I don't know what I bring. What do you what do I you bring? You compose all our music. You'd yeah. easily be able to contribute. Let's be honest. I don't think uh, the track team has gone anywhere. <laughs> and I am not at the level of the track team. Well. Who, if you're listening, you're very inspirational. Jeremy. I think his name's Jeremy. Jeremy Zucker or something. Is that right? Jeremy Zucker. Zuck- I think it's either Zucker or Zuckerman. Yeah. Zuckerman. Yeah. Well, Max, you can get into the psychology of the characters. Yeah. Be a writer. Oh, yeah, dog. I could treat burnout for the the writers and the animators. There you go. Oh, trust Ooh. me. That let's, is let's hope let's hope Avatar Studios doesn't do that to their team. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> that's that's probably a little, you know, optimistic. That's kind of a Fire Nation just, pun, but <laughs> <laughs> oh burnout oh no. i thought you were talking about the toxic exploitative animation industry I, I, that too no i think he i think he was no, <laughs> no guys it's a pun don't worry <laughs> all right there we go i saved it 
<laughs> Max, I wanted to add to your idea of Dungeons and Dragons roles. I'm pretty hooked on that now. Yes. Az Azula definitely got a, a crit roll on her charisma with the Daily. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That's where it could go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. That that's like the mm -hmm. final stage of her plan if that doesn't go right. And she had to roll a high number. She had to. Well, well, and that whole moment where they're sitting in the throne room and she says something like the ability to rule is something you're born with. We all know, like, whether right or wrong, just the way in which she delivers that line. And then she just says, we all know who's going to be sitting on this throne. And then she just sits down and goes, well, it's like, oh, my God, of course you're going to. Of course you're going to freaking succeed. Yeah. Of course. Because you're just going to she's going to grab him. Just grab him <laughs> and just take him down. Mm. It's so mm. uh it's so intimidating and powerful and so cool. Like it's just so awesome. And I don't I think it almost happens simultaneously to um uncle giving Aang advice saying, you know, power and Oh. power and unlimited you know whatever is overrated i think you're wise to choose love and happiness mm -hmm. which I, yeah it perfectly contrasts what's going on for azula and her character absolutely that's a fantastic line by the way i feel I like that one's not that quoted as much as it should be well and i think that whole sequence when they're walking through the cave or like not through the cave through they're walking from above uh by the temple down into old bossing say mm -hmm. i think you see a really genuine moment very similar to when Toph and Iroh first meet and interact mm -hmm. but different in that Aang and Iroh have this past relationship yes. that is now being challenged because you know Aang and the gang saw Iroh as the accomplice of Zuko right and as this person who was just helping him eventually capture the avatar but they learned very quickly that no Iroh's a different a different dude mm -hmm. um and I think, yeah, I think, I mean, again, I, I'm, Iroh's my favorite character. I, oh, I've said yeah. this many times. It's not, it's not a, a, a hidden fact or, or, or a hidden bias I have. Um, I think I, Iroh is just, the, consistently Iroh is the voice of calm and reason in this show that no matter what happens, you can just look at something Iroh says or something Iroh does or the way that he lives his life and the way that he like physically is, is present. And you're going to, you're going to find something that is, is seated early, but for later, right? Like this whole parallel between his interaction with Aang and Azula's kind of conquest for power. The fact that that ultimately plays itself out in the very, very end, but it's seated right now. Again, those are those through lines that, are very easy to miss, mm -hmm. right? It's been a while since I've talked about some through lines, but again, we're at the crossroads of destiny, mm -hmm. right? Everything's yeah. inter interwoven and we're we're all connected. And yeah, it's it's uh this is so good. Like I this is so good. And I think everything that you just mentioned about Iroh's character and how how amazing he is makes Zuko's betrayal so much more painful. Mm -hmm. The the look of disapproval on Iroh's face is just heart shattering. It's awful. Well, and just before that, when they're in the when they when Aang and Iroh stumble upon um, Zuko and Katara, Zutara, in in that crystal catacomb area, 
Zuko and Aang kind of have that sparring moment where Zuko's like, what are you doing with the Avatar? And Aang goes, saving you. That's what. <laughs> Which is kind of like, yeah. kind of like the sharks. It's like the sharks and the jets. We got a little bit of, you know, West Side Story, baby. And and Iroh encourages them to go. Like, Iroh's like, I got this. I, I know my nephew. He's gone through this metamorphosis, I think. And I've got him. And he says, Zuko, it's time for you to choose good. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. right here. It's time. And then he doesn't. It's just, mm. Mm. you're right. That betrayal, the betrayal feels so, so much more because A, Iroh has now helped, you know, multiple members of the gang. And we are, even if we weren't before, we are now, we are now Team Iroh. If you weren't before, you are yeah. now Team Iroh. And you were starting to become Team Zuko because of of how he had started to change and how he had started to embody a lot of the same things that we love about Iroh, right? So when he does just gut punch us and and chooses to side with Azula, it is oh, it is so it's frustrating and heartbreaking because you know you know that Zuko is capable and and has good in him, which is also something Iroh refers to when he first sees Toph, Sokka, yeah. and Aang in their old I house. I love that right? line. Sokka's line is so good. <laughs> Come back when he has good on the outside. <laughs> on the outside of him. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Max, you bring up a really great point about the comedy, right? Even in these super serious episodes and in these super serious moments, one thing they don't ever forget to put in are some of these comedic yeah. moments, whether it's dialogue-driven, scene-driven, uh, uh, or whatever it may be. Because in that same moment, when they are back in their old house, there's also some scaffolding set up in the corner of the house, <laughs> right by where Toph blew, blew out. out the house, which I just think is so funny. Like, like, uh, in again, in all these serious moments, there's comedy. Yeah. Again, at the very beginning of the second episode, when Toph, you know, has done her metal bending thing and she's cross-country skiing on the earth across back to Ba Sing Se, so- Sokka and Aang are flying by her and they're like, what in the what in the <laughs> heck is that? They swoop down. Oh, it's top. Anita Rice. Ah, she freaks and out. She like she trips up and just so. <laughs> she Yeah, because they're flying in the air. So she has no idea that they're there. So they they genuinely surprise her. And I think you again, you need comedic moments like that to break up some of the serious material. Mm. And I think we fixate so much on the serious material because it's it's more dramatic and it's more like th- those are the moments that we remember. Looking back and watching these episodes again, the comedy is freaking great too. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing bad about these episodes. Even as much as we rip the chakra segment from from the Guru episode, like there is nothing, nothing bad at all about these episodes. No, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Brandon, I can't believe you didn't bring up Dragon of the West. You finally got here. You've been talking <laughs> oh, yo, about yo, this yo, yo, the yo. whole time. I, I did make a note. I did make a note. Well, and actually, okay. Max, since you brought it up, I have a question for you. It comes up later that the nickname, as Iroh called it, because he said nickname specifically, of dragon is actually a title that you earn and not necessarily a nickname. But I'm not going to spoil it. Because of what we know happens, do you think Iroh did that intentionally? Or is that something that they tried to retroactively like correct? Right in. Because... Mm. Because because, in order to earn the title, you have to do something, which you we can, know that Iroh did not do. You can spoil it. Let's just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 
Okay, so but in order to earn the title of dragon, you have to you have to kill a dragon. Right. And Iroh did not do that. When he saw Ren and Shaw with the Sun Warriors, but he did the same thing that Zuko and Aang do. Right. But but he said he did to protect them, right? He said that he killed yeah. them, but he didn't. So by him saying that he got the nickname the Dragon of yeah, the West. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you think do you I mean, am I just looking into it no. too much or was it like a retroactive or, Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like this would be really cool. I, I like, <laughs> yeah, I like to think, I like to think that it was because again, because I love Iroh and I like to think that everything he does is, is fairly intentional, right? He's not going to say, did I tell you how I got the title of dragon of the West? Right. Right. You know, the fact that he says the nickname, it just kind of muddies the water just enough where you're like, where you did sly it? Dog. Yeah. You sly <laughs> right. dog. Yeah. I will say though, Max, in referring to you bringing up the Dragon of the West, I th I remember this scene as being a little bit more kind of potent and extravagant than than it was. <laughs> I was a little underwhelmed. You blew <laughs> it up. <laughs> he opens his mouth. He does fire kind of the way people yeah. usually do fire. Then he jumps out of building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that part's cool. And lands on a bush, <laughs> like what? And then he and he's like, Zuko, you'll be fine. Come it's on! It's like that's. He looks up and he's like, Oh, he must be scared about the heights or something. It's like All right. <laughs> you don't know your nephew, I guess. Like, no, no. Here I am, some old man who just survived yeah. this. My sixteen-year-old nephew should also be able to survive. Okay, this. okay. That just reminded me. Speaking of surviving this. We talked extensively last time about Jet dying from like kind of an insignificant blow. And in this one, whether it's jumping from a three-story building, you know, Iroh, or, or that final fight where they're getting blasted through buildings and falling from ceilings yep. and getting just decimated, no broken bones, no whatever, there's, there is kind of an inconsistency with... Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's and that's been my whole beef for the entirety of the series, right? Especially with earthbending. Yeah. Right. You have such inconsistency between damage and, you know, I guess we can it, we can try to analyze yeah, it all day, yeah. but it's never gonna make sense no. because it is inconsistent. And I think I, I don't know, it's 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 hard. I think it's like the first person shooter effect, right? Where like totally it takes one bullet to shoot any enemy, but you can take about sixty. Right. They, it's just kind of how it has to be. Totally. So Jet's just really weak is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, <laughs> he's a, the NPC. <laughs> I will say, so to kind of relay us back to the the ending of the second episode, when Aang, whether it's his thought or his actual speaking, when he says there's too many of them, this is the first time in the series where I feel hopeless. Dread, yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think... I don't think they're going to make it. Like, I don't think my team is going to make it. The people I've been rooting for for 40 episodes now, I don't think, I don't think they're going to make mm -hmm. it. And like, what, what's going to happen? I think uh, it's also made apparent when Aang realizes this and, and takes this final step to unlock his avatar state when he creates the cocoon and, and he's, you know, he was so resistant to give up Katara in his mind. But in this moment, that's all he can do. Like the only way that they'll survive is if he does this. And then we get we get smacked with with Azula's perfect lightning oh. strike, too. Like 
everything about this ending, I think, is designed to make us feel hopeless, but in a way that still keeps us like, but wait, they still had this plan, and they talked about the plan of the Day of Black Sun, and I think they can still do that, can't they? Right? So we're not like, we're not left on, oh, everybody's dead and nothing is going to happen anymore. We're, we're still left with this tiny, tiny glimpse of the plan. Like there's still a plan kind of somewhere, right? I think the lesson is never stop giving up hope. <laughs> I'm tear bending. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. So I, I really like that chain of events because Aang is this, I mean, he is taking up the responsibility of the avatar, right? He's sort of completing his character arc from the beginning of mm -hmm. you are accepting this role, even if you have to kind of let go of some of your, the things you've grown to love. And so it's painful. It's, it's awe inspiring, but it's also painful to watch him do it. I'm also curious, like he, he's doing it for Katara, right? And for people and stuff like that. So really he's letting go of Katara, but he's also doing it to save Katara. So it's this sort of paradox of how do you let go of someone you love when you're trying to protect them at the same time? Yeah. Max, Max, your point's brilliant. Like that's, that's such a great, great point. I don't, don't stop. I have nothing else. I have <laughs> nothing else to say. Your point is brilliant. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to cut it. Like, I'll cut it right there just so I can <laughs> gush about brilliant. you just a little bit. And... I'm just going to put that on repeat over and over. <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll send you the I'll send you the rendered down file. Where it's just, Max, you're great. You're oh, so awesome. It's going to be my alarm. <laughs> Absolutely. Every morning when you wake up. Max, you're great. <laughs> you're so fantastic. Uh, the only other aspect that you already kind of talked about, but like, what a sociopath you have to be to mm. interrupt somebody during a power up. Everybody knows in any anime <laughs> show or in any any anything, you don't interrupt a power up. That's just not okay. And Azula's like, shoot you down. Everybody yeah. else is doing the right thing. They're taking a step back. They're awe inspired. You know, Zuko's like totally. shocked. And ugh, you sneak up behind him and shoot him. Cell wouldn't have done totally. that. No. Frieza wouldn't have done no. that. Frieza Absolutely might actually not. do that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think Frieza tries to <laughs> do that and then gets cut literally in half. <laughs> in half. In half with the disc, yes. No, I think, Max, that's a great point to bring up too because my question was, is there something to it when Zuko and the Dai Li just stand back and stand in awe of the power that they're about to witness? Experience. When Aang finally unlocks it. <laughs> well, or an experience, right? And, you know, I... Yeah, you're like, and then Azula just casually. With a smile sort of on just, her face, with a smirk. Oh, God. It's so, I know we're not supposed to like Azula, but a after this scene, we hate Azula. Oh, yeah. Like we do, we hate her. We hate her a lot. We get to see other characters interacting with Azula throughout this, and we've gotten to see her kind of Ozai's angels or whatever. And I kind of noticed in this one that, she just monologues, right? She just talks and she doesn't actually expect any interaction from them. She doesn't ask them questions. She doesn't really, she just monologues and May doesn't say anything because she's like, mm -hmm. whatever. And Tylee is like, oh, you're so, so smart and pretty when you say that. Yeah. And it's like, she just has these little like, that was a very interesting point and like, doesn't actually say anything, but says what Azula wants to hear. Mm -hmm. um, totally. It's yeah. Yeah. 
Ty, Ty Lee is the definition of like positive affirmation mm-hmm. in the best and the worst yeah. way. Like if you are a terrible human like Azula, Ty Lee will affirm that. And if you're, you know, like later or whatever in other interactions and other dealings, I'm sure Ty Lee also like compliments people for being who they are in a good way. But because it's Azula and she's a sociopath, none of it is good. And I think May is like passiveness in this uh, the similar way. Like she doesn't talk over Azula. She doesn't like push her or say like, hey, we shouldn't do this. But she also, when everyone comes in and they're like going to take back Bosco and go fight, she's like, eh, whatever. Just take the bear. <laughs> Exit preceded by bear. Also, they imply May implies that they've been cleaning up Bosco's poop, right? At some point, because I th- they're the Kyoshi Warriors. Part of that is, yeah, I think part of that is just the rules. Oh, that's right. I that's don't right. Know that's if right. They've actually been. That's right. Because I think her and May and Ty Lee are doing the whole the shtick, yeah, over dramatic shtick yeah. thing for the Dai Li agents who are on the columns or on the pillars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before that, before they even realize that the Kyoshi Warriors aren't the Kyoshi Warriors. So I think that's part of the ruse. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I was like, there's no way in hell that May is cleaning bear poop. That's <laughs> just oh, not no. that's not happening. This is just a random thought, but don't you think Sokka and Toph could have saved that one general? Remind me what happens. They are walking up to the palace to warn the Earth King of the coup. Oh and the, yeah. And then general like the coup is happening right watch now. Watch out and she like pulls Toph aside. It's like, you just pulled the most powerful earthbender aside. Like just let her go take care of these three Dai Li agents and save that general at least. But they just kind of let it happen. And the weird thing is that like the variable at least was the Dai Li's spring-loaded metal handcuffs. Right? Yeah. Which still Toph could theoretically bend now. Mm. Oh. So I, Right? Because this is post-Toth yes. metal bender. Yes. So I, I don't Yeah, that's a little that's a that's a little bit of a hole right there, I think. I think they could have saved that general. Um because yeah, I think Toth and an Earth Earth Kingdom general against three Dali agents, I know who I'd put my money on. Maybe that was the snooty general that kind of like scared Momo. They just Oh, <laughs> there you go. Or maybe yeah. he was the one that tried to force Aang into the Avatar state. Yeah, yeah. They're like, eh, we don't like that guy. You can take him. I I have a feeling it's because you... Same reason why Hakoto couldn't join them. This is a show about the gang, and, like, the the kids kind of have to do it, right? If, right. They, if they adopt a general, it kind of throws off the vibe of, <laughs> of it. I mean, we have can, this adult man now. He's <laughs> part of the crew. <laughs> I mean, you can do that with the Earth King, right? You can sort of do that... Yeah. Yes, I was just going to say that. You can do it with the Earth King because the Earth King is a figurehead, mm-hmm. right? He's not... He's a normal person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, nor- let's air quotes normal. <laughs> well, like... I don't know if he's a normal like person. Like what we talked about last time where it's like a, a normal person in the Avatar world. Like he's placed... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 He's yeah, a normal yeah, person yeah, yeah, from yeah, yeah. our world in the Avatar world where it's not like he's going to have strong opinions about what they do next or how they should... Their plan of attack. I don't know. Yeah, and then we're kind of set up at the very end here again with our gang flying away on Appa in an all too familiar scene where they seem to now be retreating. Mm. I guess a, a question that can kind of lead us probably into our final discussion: what What do you think it was about the spirit water that allowed Katara to revive Aang? Because Aang Aang dies, like Aang gets shot down with lightning and dies because when Katara uses the spirit water on Aang, on his wound, 
we see a moment where the Avatar spirit gets reunited with Aang and then he starts to breathe again. You know, what do you think it was about that water or about that experience, I guess, that kind of brings him back to us? I wonder if part of it is like Katara's ability in spirit. If something has to do with the fact that she's the like, obviously, it's the magic water, right? It's the stuff she's been saving. But I wonder if like her ability and the fact that she's become such a powerful waterbender makes it more effective. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Because I guess my one thought is otherwise, shouldn't the fish that died in that water have just like healed right up? <laughs> Because it's from the yes. the Northern Water Tribe, right? Where the, the spirit oasis yeah. in the northern, yeah, in the Northern Water Temple or the North Pole. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I was thinking it was that lunar goodness, but I guess otherwise you <laughs> could you could just kind of revive yourself. Hmm. I feel like there's one thing we can all agree on, and it's we're all very very glad that Katara didn't use that water on Zuko. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh. I, honestly, I, Max brought up a good point. I. That could have changed the game. You might not have even got to that point. I hadn't thought about that before. Sure. But then you get Zutara, and nobody wants that. So <laughs> that's then you really get Zutara if she yeah. healed him. Well, let's be honest. I want that. <laughs> you guys, you guys do not. Nobody wants that. <laughs> the, the two of you are vehemently against Zutara, and I am all about it. I mean, Meh. whatever. <laughs> We'll explore it more in book no. three. <laughs> With that Spirit Oasis water, they do a really tactful, they did a tactful job including it right before they needed it. Like with the, oh, I have this water and reintroducing it to us mm -hmm. because it would have been kind of abrupt and difficult if she had just taken it out on Appa and we'd have to be like, wait, what is that again? And then, because it's all the way in episode one of the second season that yeah. they introduce yep. it. So, and it doesn't it feel, it doesn't feel forced, but it's a really good writing maneuver on their part. Totally. All right. As we, as we wind down season two of the show and season two of the podcast. Okay. We know that Max's favorite episode is coming up the headband, which is the second episode of the third season. So it will be in the first podcast episode of the third season. Evan, are there aside and again, let's let's take out Sozin's comet from the equation because we we all know that we love Sozin's comet. Evan, what are you most looking forward to for season three of the show and of the podcast? Ooh. Of the show, I am probably most looking forward to either the bloodbending episode or Katara and Zuko's field trip. Big fans of those ones. Mm. Um, Wait, so are you? Are you? Are you? A, is this? Is that your official endorsement of of Zutara? <laughs> Come on now, like, I I don't understand the hate for Zutara and then the endorsement of the field trip. Well, I'm confused. I'm getting mixed messages, and I'm <laughs> I'm just really confused, you guys. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, well, you got me there. <laughs> you could have chemistry and not be shipped. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't tell that to anyone who has ever watched a cartoon ever. Yeah, that's so true. That's true. You got to ship those. Uh, friendships exist. And I think I'm most excited for Max to get to talk about the headband. I feel like I'm going to let you guys down because I've hyped this up. I just love it. Okay, we can talk about it when it happens, but it's it's not because it's some crazy episode or anything. It's just it's just a 
I don't disagree. I think it's a solid episode. Yeah. I'm psyched. Well, and 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 here's the deal. We can we can clue our our listeners in on this because you know with each new season we revamp the music, intro, outro. We do updated artwork, all this stuff. There are two pieces of our season three propaganda <laughs> yes. that come from the headband episode, right? We have our new thumbnail is going to be, you know, seductive headband Aang, mm. which is very awesome. At least up again, up to Sosan's comment, that's what we're planning to use. And either the intro or outro music, it hasn't been decided when it will fall yet, but we're doing the the cave jive. So Brandon, it's you really spoiled me. You really spoiled me with I'm, that. You know what? Hey, you know what? It's 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 times like these that we have to indulge, and I'm I'm happy to oblige. I'm so excited for our listeners to hear the cave jive theme. It is so good. I will be honest. I, I've had I've had a ton of fun creating all the music for this, and the cave jive though, especially. It's so good. I think I was sitting I was sitting down here by my keyboard, and the guys on the on the video chat can see this. My keyboard's right to the left of me. And I think I was just so into it. And then my wife walks downstairs with our dogs and I'm just like jamming yeah. out on my keyboard. Awesome. And she's like, Brandon, are you, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just jamming and blah, blah, blah. So I showed it to her and she's like, oh yeah, that's great. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Can I, can I have a, a significant other story with Avatar that just happened to me? Um, so Olivia watched this way back in the day because I'm, you know, a fanatic uh, and she used it basically to fall asleep. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and, and so she has like a vague recollection. But what does not sit well with her is the love aspect between Aang and Katara. She can't get over that they're kids and that kids shouldn't love each other, I guess. She thinks it's like gross. And I'm always like, OK, it's not it's not like a huge theme that they're like making out or they like. You know, it's a, it's like you can love your whatever. And so I'm trying to explain it. And I'm also trying to like downplay that. It's not really a big deal. And I'm watching the finale with my headphones in uh, sitting next to her. And she looks over right as Aang professes <laughs> his love for oh. Katara. And she goes, oh, and she goes. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Like, oh no! She, she just instantly triggered by that. Class, yeah. classic slacko. Classic <laughs> slacko. So, so Max, in addition to the headband, which again we know is is your favorite episode, um, what other what other moments from season three are you really looking forward to to talking about? Honestly, I think every episode in season three is so good. I am just so I'm. Every episode is the best episode, honestly. I, I truly believe that. Because when it came out, I was blown away. Because season two is fantastic. But season three yeah. is is a different league. It's it, it's just yeah. so good. And each episode is so watchable. I think I've watched season three way, way more than the rest of the season. Sure. Just because you can start se- like episode one and just crush the entire season so easily. For sure. So what I'm excited for is the first episode when Aang wakes up. And then they have to do all that stuff. And then in the second episode, when Aang goes to school, <laughs> and then in the third episode. <laughs> <laughs> and here's and here's a short synopsis of season three, yeah. brought to you by Maxwell Anderson. Uh, and we'll take the next 10 minutes to do that. <laughs> uh, or wait, maybe it'll be the next 20 minutes because Max will have to do it twice. I'm trying to think if I could go episode by episode off memory right now. I don't think so. 
Well, the scripts haven't been written, mm. so when these when these uh, micro synopses get get written, Ugh. if if there's anything you don't like about them, feel free to edit at your leisure. Okay, I so actually though instead of so specifically, I do also love uh, Sokka's master. I think that is yeah, yes. that's one of my favorite episodes yeah. too. Yeah, but oh my yeah. gosh, I I say I could go on and on. So. <laughs> yeah, Max, Max, do you? Do you like this show, I, Max? Are you I, are you a fan? I do, because I, I, I you. I I'm the, not convinced that you actually like this show. I would use the L word, but not too loud in case Olivia hears me. Um, you like this show, so L for like you exactly. like this show. I okay, can't love it though. Good. No. Well, at least Ang and Brian <laughs> Katara <laughs> can't love perfect. each other. <laughs> 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 uh, oh well, hey, guys, we're here. We're at the end of season two. Thanks so much for going on this crazy journey and thank you for thank initiating you, this crazy journey yeah this has been awesome oh i got goosebumps <laughs> thinking about season three oh, i can't wait and that's gonna do it for this episode and this officially marks the end of our second season of the podcast we hope you've enjoyed our conversation so far as we certainly have we're looking forward to releasing our season two bonus episode next week where we provide you with our commentary to the pilot episode that started off the entirety of this incredible show. Recording has already begun for our podcast's third season, where we'll focus on the third and final season of Avatar The Last Airbender, book three, Fire. We're now live on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for at previous.pod on Facebook and at previous underscore pod on Twitter. Give us a like or a follow and interact with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the series as we keep the dialogue going. Thanks so much to our listeners for sticking with us through this incredible journey. Stay tuned to our social media pages for an official announcement on when season three of the previously on podcast will begin to be released. A big thanks to my co-hosts, Evan and Max, for being a part of the podcast. We'll see you soon. Yep, yep. <laughs>